We actually did finish one chapter. Hebrews chapter 2. If you'll read with me in verse number 1, we'll read the first four verses and try to cover them tonight. I hope we can get through them. But he says, therefore, we ought to give the more heed, the earnest heed, to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will. Father, we thank you for your love. We ask God that you would help us tonight as we look into the word of God and see what uh, you have for us. Lord, bless us as we study this book of Hebrews. In Jesus' name, amen. I was going to title this message, uh, Be Careful. But the more I got into it, the more I wanted to title it Dead Fish. You say, what in the world? You'll see, just be patient, okay. So I didn't read anything about dead fish there. Well, more than you think, it's there. So in verse number one, he starts out with the word, therefore. And always, whenever you see the word, therefore, stop and find out what it's there for. He's going back and he says, all what we covered in chapter one, he said, what I'm saying now is in reference to that. Therefore, who he is, he is deity. He's God. He's the son of God. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's omnipotent. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than mankind. He is greater than anything. So he says, based on all of that, therefore, we. He's not talking to, to Christians, to Gentiles. He's talking to the Jews. Now, always remember that as you're going through the book of Hebrews. The, the book of Hebrews was written to the scattered Israelites that were going about. Not one time is, a gen, is the Gentiles mentioned in the book of Hebrews. He is specifically writing this to them. So if you remember that, there are some Jewish believers. Yes, they're Christians. But why I said not Christians? Because he's not writing this to the church. He's writing that to the Christians that have believed, but yet because of the persecution, because of disbursement and things, they're wondering, have we made the right decision? <laughs> uh, they were really under severe persecution. It's just like in Israel right now. Uh, it didn't just affect certain ones. There's Christians in Israel. It's affecting them too. There are those that are on the fence. Some of them has been thinking about this Messiah. Some of them have been thinking about, well, should I receive him? Should I listen to what they said? There's some that are just staunch Jews that are just died in the wool. You're not going to convince me. All of these are involved in this dispersion as they're scattered throughout the world there. So as, you, as he talks about, Paul is a Jew and he says, we, Jewish believers here, Jewish lost people, Jewish fence-sitters, he said, we ought to give the more earnest heed. He said, look, every one of us Jews, we need to listen to something. We've got to pay more attention. This is exceedingly important. We've got to give careful attention to what's being said here. There is no plan B. When you stop and think about war and things like that, there's always a contingency plan. There's always a plan B. There's always a, a different way to go about things. In this world, folks, there is no plan B. You're either right or you are dead wrong. 
And that's why he said, you, you've got to really pay close attention to this. Notice what he said, to the things which we have heard. What did they hear? What's been said? What God say? What has the prophet said? Uh, what have we heard? <clears throat> he said that God would have a son. I hope my voice holds out. <laughs> I've been fighting it all day. But he says God was going to have a son, that God's son would redeem them from their sins. It goes all the way back to the beginning and his, the word of God and the prophets have been prophesying that God was going to send a Messiah and that that Messiah was going to redeem man and he was going to give them eternal life. And he said the only alternative is judgment. That's it. The only alternative is judgment. Repent. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, there's only one choice and I'm it. You receive me as king. There is no other alternative. Whenever the prophet would go and, or someone would go, a king would go into a countryside. He's going to take over. He would send his people ahead of him and send them into the cities and they would go into the city and they would say, hey, this king is coming. If you will receive him, you go out here and you make the road straight and you fill in the low places and you knock down the high places because when he comes in, he wants everything to be just right. And he said, if they would not, they were to dust off, the, shake the dust off their feet and go to the next town because now instead of when he comes and finds the roads not prepared, then he would come in and destroy the city. Judgment was coming. When you get a hold of that, you can understand Matthew and what he says in the gospel of Matthew. When he's talking about these things, what has he said? How do all this fit together? He says, repent. You must get right with God. You must turn from your sin. And you must receive him as the Messiah. Notice he says, lest at any time we should let them slip. I always go back and think about what he says when he's talking about the parable. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, did anybody, did anybody not hear that? Some of you may not have heard that. Oh, you heard it with your ear, but you didn't hear it with your heart. And as Jesus gives them the parable and he talks about these things and he says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Many times he says their, their ears were, were dull of hearing. Oh, they were listening physically, but they weren't listening spiritually. So he said, lest at any time we should let them slip. The term to slip here is to pass beyond, to float by or to drift. Do we have that picture? You got a picture up there? When I stopped to think about this and I started doing some researching and things like this, it said it's like a dead fish. It's like that dead fish. You're out there and you're in the boat and you're doing your own fishing. You're kind of tied up alongside the river and just down there, the old fish, he just dead in a mackerel and he's floating down the river. That's what it means to let it slip. It takes no effort on the part of that fish to go down the river. Fish is dead. No effort whatsoever. He just literally lets it slip on down the river. He says that's what, what people do when they hear the word of God, but they just let it go right on past them. You've heard the phrase in one ear, out the other. That's the way most people are that come to church. Now, if I ask you, and I mean, if I pointed a finger and said, what did, what did preacher preach on Sunday morning? 
What did he preach on Sunday night? We'd have to really and stop and think. Because most of the time that we let those things slip. We don't go home and think about the scripture. We don't get out the word of God. That, when we first got saved over in Spain, that's one of the things we'd do after, after services. We'd go to somebody's house. And we'd get down there on the floor and we'd get a Bible and we'd get a concordance and, and we'd start talking. We'd go back over the whole message and everything and, and rehashing that and getting it in our hearts and mind. And that's the way we learned how to grow. Why? It was important to us. It was very valuable. But he said, don't let them slip. Don't miss what's being said through neglect. Not grasping the truth or understanding it. That's why he says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Not the preacher. He's going to study anyway. But he says, as individual Christians, we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm, I'm shocked at how many people have never led anybody to the Lord. They, they'll always help take somebody to the preacher. Why? How long have you been saved? And you don't know the basic thing, the very first basic thing about Christianity, and that's bringing people to Jesus Christ. And that's what we've done. We've let it slip. Like that old dead fish just went on down the road. We didn't pay no attention. We didn't... It didn't we didn't get involved at all. We just let those things slip. When we let the word slip, over in Hebrews chapter 3, look there in verse number 8. It says, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of the temptation in the wilderness. He says that several times. What happened? They hardened their heart when they let the word of God slip past them. The things that God was trying to teach them, we just let them slip like that old dead fish. We just let it go on down the river. And it doesn't have the effect that God wants us to have. Look in verse number two. He says, for if the word spoken by angels, the word angels here is angelos. It's a messenger. Now, who are they? Who are the angels? And I beat my head against this thing so many different times. And you go to this commentator and they'll say, well, this is talking about Jesus. Another one will say, well, no, this is talking about angels. Another one will say, no, this is talking about the prophets and everything. I don't think it could be any of them. Why? Because the word is a messenger. Okay. He's just talked about those that have been giving us the word of God. Now, could be angels. Angels spoke to Lot and Sodom. But they weren't giving the word of God. You have those that are prophets, the messengers that spoke of Israel's sins and judgment, the removal from the land. It could be them. John, in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 10, says, For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my Angelos, my messenger before thy face. He's talking about John the Baptist. So who is it? I don't know. And I don't really think it makes that much difference. It could be any of them and it doesn't change anything. The idea here is either way, the messenger and the message was directly from God. And that's what makes the difference. We can get hung up in a lot of little things that really, in the end of the day, doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Amen? The message was to be carefully heeded. The message was perfectly carried out and fulfilled. He said the message that came by these angels or whoever it was, he says it was carried out exactly the way God said it would be. Their judgment, he says, was just. It was fair and was carried out exactly the way God said. 
When you look at the harsh punishment, the men, the women, the children, it should tell us something. How much God hates sin. You have a man steals some things. God said all of this is supposed to be taken to the temple. It's all God's. Uh, once you've defeated the enemy, all that goes to God. And he goes and he steals. His name's Achan. He stole some, some gold and a robe and things like this. And God said, you take, his, take Achan. You take his wife. You take his children. You take his animals. You take everything that he has and kill him. Now, you could get into all different kinds of stuff there, why they were part of it and how, how much they knew and all this. But the fact is, it shows us how much God hates sin. And we've forgotten that. We've let it slip We've let it past us like that old dead, that dead fish just, just going down the river. We've forgotten how much God hates sin. They deserved it. He said what these angels had said, what the messengers had said was just. It was fair. It was right. God's judgment on Israel is not new. What's going on over there is a result of their decision back in this day in Hebrews. We think that once something happens, it's all done. No, no. It continues on. God's not, not locked into a timetable like we are. Their decisions are continuing to affect them. The decision of Abraham to go ahead and take, take Hagar, his, his wife's concubine there, or his, his wife's uh, nursemaid. That's where the Arabs come from, and that has affected them to this day and is still affecting them and will affect them. The consequences of sin go on and on. And God hates sin. What, what did Israel really deserve? They deserved destruction and they deserved punishment. What about us? What do we deserve? Now just think, think about Israel. God sent them prophets. God sent them Moses. God brought the Jews out of Egypt. God led them by a pillar of, of, uh, of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God brought them through the Red Sea. God destroyed the Egyptian armies. God fed them with manna every day. God gave them water in the wilderness. God gave them the tabernacle and their worship system. God protected them from their enemies. God did not allow their clothes to wear out. God brought them to the land of Israel. God allowed them to cross Jordan on dry ground. God conquered their enemies. God gave them the land of Israel. God gave them his word. God blessed them and gave them many promises. And what they do? Turn their back on God. What they deserve? They didn't deserve any of this. What's God done for us? Look at this building. Look at these nice chairs. In Africa, we sat on benches or ground. You've got lights. You've got a word of God. Many of my people over there can't afford to buy a Bible. You've got so much. And you know what you deserve? Same thing I deserve. I deserve hell. I do not deserve heaven. I don't deserve one of the blessings of God. I don't deserve God's, God's promises. All of that is simply by the grace of Almighty God. And he says, what you've done, Israel, is you've let those things slip. It's like that old dead fish going down that stream. Bloated. 
just floating. We just let the world just kind of float by us. We have no spiritual convictions. We have no spiritual direction. What do you want God to do with you this year? What do you want? Do you want to win anybody to Christ? Is that even in your in your ballpark? Have you put that down and said, God, let me win somebody to Christ this year? He said, for the Son of Man come to seek and to save that which is lost. And so send I you. And we just let it slip. The things God's taught us. The things God said. And like that old dead fish, you're just going down the river. Just slipping on past us. And we just go on with life. We was talking today in our discipleship life gets in the way and it does and the whole time we don't realize we're just that old dead fish laying in the water floating down the river we've let the things of God slip past us therefore in verse number one is still in play here it hasn't stopped yet That's why he says, listen carefully. Jesus is the Messiah, the very son of God. And it all came to pass, just like he said, you follow the prophecies, every dot, every tittle, everything was perfect, exactly the way God said. Do you think that we're going to be exempt? (laughs) Not quite. The Jewish people would take it all for granted. They forgot that what he'd said and what he'd done for them. But I think so often we as Christians have forgotten as well. We make all of our plans, but he's really not included. You know, if, if we're at a certain place and something has happening spiritually, okay, maybe we'll get involved. But we have really no plans of being involved they rebelled and they turned from God they let him slip they floated along through life like dead religious fish but without God God sent the prophets and the messengers to warn them of the judgment and punishment yet they let the warnings and the preaching slip It passed them by. It had no effect on them. And because of their disobedience to his warning, judgment came. It came through plagues. It came through enemies. It came through famines. And finally, the removal of them from their own land that God had promised to give them. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11 says, Now all these things happened unto them... For in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. If God judged Israel, and he did. Verse number three. How shall we escape? How shall we escape? Remember, he's talking to the Jews, not necessarily to us. It applies to us. But he's talking to the Jews. He said, look, these were our fathers. These were our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers. And everything that God said happened exactly the way God said it. And he said, if judgment came on them, it's going to come on us. He said, don't let it slip. Don't let it just pass by. So what were they escaping from? Not obeying the commandments of God. There's verse after verse in Hebrews chapter 10 where they did not obey the commandments of God. To flee from every transgression and disobedience, you see in verse number two. For if the word spoken of angels is steadfast, And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. 
They were to flee from those transgressions. They were to flee from their disobedience, their actions, their lifestyles against God's will. And we could go into all kinds of verses on every one of these points, but we won't have time to do that this evening. He's talking about those that are lost. How are you going to escape? He's talking about those that are sitting on the fence. Some of them may or may not be saved, but they're not ready to make that step that I'm going to get my, go all in. And he's talking about those that are believers that are letting these things slip. The loss of rewards or for the lost, everlasting hell. It applies to all of them. How shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, not reject, neglect. It's not that they had rejected the Messiah, so to speak, but they just neglected it. It's not that they hadn't heard about it. Most of the Jews over in Israel have heard about Jesus. But they've just neglect, neglected it. It's not that we haven't heard the truth. How many times do, have I heard testimony from people in this church? We come here because we hear the truth. We get the whole ball of wax here. Well, what are we doing about it? Are we just letting that slip like that old dead fish just going down the river just easily going down have we let it slip not rejecting but neglecting anything neglected will turn to ruin you put some fruit on your in your fruit basket and you go on a little trip for about a week you come back <laughs> you won't want to eat them because the fruit is spoiled. It's been neglected. You leave and go down and, and, and to another state in the wintertime and you don't have anybody taking care of your house. It's going to be neglected. It's going to have problems. Anything that's neglected is going to be destroyed. Your children, your work, your marriage, any of it. If you neglect it, it's going to be destroyed. God says in 2 Corinthians 5, 11, that we are to persuade men. Now tell me, those that were thinking about going back into Judaism, how, how are they going to be able to persuade men if they go back to their old way of life? They're not. God says, I want you to be salt. Salt is different than sugar if you haven't figured it out. How much different are we than the world? You see, we let these things just kind of go past us and we just kind of go through life and, and we don't want to be different God says, I made you different. When I saved your soul, I brought you out of the world. Yes, you're living in the world, but I want you to be so different that they see Christ in you, not the world in you. And that's when we start rebelling. Why? Because we don't like the message. And what we do is we let it slip right on past. We go ahead and do what we want to do. Live the way we want to live. And we wonder why we're not getting the results that God said would be in our lives. Salvation here speaks of deliverance. Deliverance from sin. Deliverance from the consequences of those sins. Whether it was present or whether it was future. It's the same thing. We've been delivered now. We're saved. 
but we will be delivered from the wrath to come. God promises that. So the deliverance he's talking about, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You say, but I'm saved. Yes, and there's coming the judgment seat of Christ where we must all stand before Jesus Christ and give an account of that that we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We bring people to Christ. Why? Because we're going to be at a judgment, not a church picnic. It's a serious judgment. And we've let these things slip. Well, you know, if I do or if I don't, no big deal. Yes, it's a big deal. So much so that this is why he's writing all of this. So what's the purpose of salvation? What was the good news? Well, Jesus came to save the lost. How are we doing in that area? Eternal life was offered to give us direct access to the Father. Part of salvation is so now that we're his children, now that we're saved, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and, and to, to get our help, to get that grace in time of need. Now, I don't know about you, but I need I need, I need, I need. Oh, God, help me. I need help in preaching. I need help in living. I need help in being a husband. I need help in being a father. I need help in being a grandfather. I need, I need so much help. Because I know me. And I'm not. I'm not what you think. He knows my heart. Oh, do you need help? He saved you now so you can have that help. You can have access to the Father. The purpose of salvation, both to save, to give access, but also to sanctify and conform us to the image of Jesus Christ, his son. How are we doing there? That means change. There's to be change constantly going on in our life. It's not just we got saved and, and we may have stopped smoking when we got saved. But since then, what's changed? You see, we're constantly supposed to be coming closer and closer and closer to God. He's conforming us, changing us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's sanctification, being transformed, producing the fruit of the Spirit, having Christ live out his life in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're to yield ourselves, the Bible says, as instruments of, an, uh, of righteousness, letting him live his life out through us. And we simply yield ourselves as those instruments. He saved us to serve the Lord. Being a faithful steward is required of every believer. It's required of stewards that we be found faithful. We must be faithful. Listen, being on a team and playing on a team is two different things. Okay? How many ever played sports in high school? Any kind. Okay, how many of you, they used you for the soccer ball? No, <laughs> I was a runt. But I wanted to play. And I absolutely detested sitting on that bench. I was 143 pounds and I played guard and center in tackle football. I found out it wasn't how big you are, it's how you hit them. Listen to me. There's too many people like that dead fish floating down the river. They're on the team just sitting on the bench, letting the game just go on past them. And they're not involved in the ministry. Every Christian should be involved in a, in a ministry somewhere. 
You may not be able to do much, but you can do something. And when all of us do a little something, we can do a bunch. But everyone must be involved. Not just being on a team sitting on a bench, but participating in that game. Get out there and knock some, well, don't do that, but get out there and knock somebody down. Amen. If a guy's got the ball, make sure he's on the opposite team, then tackle him, okay? Everybody should be in the game. Everybody should be involved in what's going on. That's why he says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, they turn to God from idols to serve the living God. In Hebrews 9, 14, he said, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Romans 6, 16, 22, he said, they became servants to God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. And he goes on and on and on, go in all the world and preach the gospel. How we doing? When the last time you preached the gospel to somebody, gave them the gospel, so that they might understand and be saved. That's what we were saved for. All of these things here. And I always, it always haunts me. And I mean that. In 1 Corinthians 15, 34, some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Are we listening? Or are we letting that old dead fish just float down the river? Just letting it slip on past us. Are we hearing what God says? And he's saying the same thing to these Hebrews. Look, people attend church without, without serving. They, they've let the word of God slip right past them. They're like dead fish. They're just like dead fish. I don't know about you, but I, I, want, I want to be that, that, that fish that somebody, maybe I get hooked, but I'll rip that hook and straighten it out and, and, and take off again. Bust a line, something. I don't want to be some old dead fish just floating down the river. Dead as a mackerel. And that's what happens in so many churches. I thank God for this church. I'm telling you. You should just glory to God for being in this church. I'm telling you, they have a, we, we have that, that uh, thing in the, in the summer. Vacation Bible school, I mean, probably 80% of our church is involved in that. You will not find that in hardly any church in America. Very few. That says something. You don't want to just be a dead fish. But he says, I, I'm, I'm warning you. I'm reminding you of these things. Notice he goes on. Which, in, he says, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them which heard him. He said at the first, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, those four gospels there that he, that he puts in there the son of man come to seek and to save that which is lost that was his purpose that's why he came in mark chapter 1 and verse 15 it says and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of god is at hand repent ye and believe the gospel i'm not saying this is the end i'm not saying what's happening to israel that's been going on ever since they rejected christ but it might be. God's not on our timetable. He doesn't have to come until he says it's time. He flips the switch. But am I ready? Am I ready? Am I taking anybody to heaven with me? Have I, have I brought anybody to Jesus Christ? I, I tell people all the time, look, uh, it, it just you got a track in your pocket? You say, no, because you don't intend to pass one out. I don't care if I come to a church meeting, there might be somebody there that I've not met and I might slip them a track 
and say, hey, why don't you read this? I, I don't care if it's Lowe's or, or, or wherever it is. We've got to start getting the gospel out and not just expect somebody to come to us and ask us how to get saved. They're not going to do it. He says, believe the gospel. They're not going to believe something they don't know. We have to get the gospel out there. How shall we escape if we neglect to give out so great salvation? How are we going to, to escape if, if we neglect the truth and, of God's word and the things that he has taught us, the things that we have learned, and we don't put them into practice? We're just like the dead fish. Notice he said he's confirmed unto us, the Jews. They were confirmed unto us by them that heard him, the apostles. The apostles were eyewitnesses of this. He says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifest and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was from the Father and was manifest unto us. He said, he's confirmed unto us by them which heard him. Those eyewitnesses, the apostles, they're the ones that testified of what he's saying here. Now verse 4 and we'll finish. God also bearing them witness with both signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will. God substantiated his apostles and his message by these signs. They are called the signs of an apostle. They're not called signs of the, uh, of the, the normal Christian. They're called signs of an apostle. But God substantiated them. One of the qualifications to be an apostle, they had to have done miracles. Not to be a saint. We are saints and we're not doing miracles. But a, an apostle had to have done and proved his apostleship by doing miracles. And different, there's different other qualifications. That's why we know that Matthias was not uh, an apostle. Peter chose him, not God. And there's a whole thing we could go into about that. But the apostles and their message was confirmed. It was substantiated by these things, signs and wonders and diverse miracles. Remember when Paul took up the serpent, he reached down into this, the, the, the uh, sticks and, and a serpent latched on his hand and all the, the heathen thought, Oh man, he's going to puff up and die, which he should have. But that was one of the signs of an apostle. He just shook him off back into the fire and he was fine. The healing of the sick caused the lame to walk. He raised the dead. Peter comes over to Dorcas and says, rise up. She jumps up. Everybody, what in the world is going on here? The casting out devils. All of these things, those signs, wonders, and diverse miracles. And then the gifts of the Holy Ghost. These were the special revelatory gifts. Notice revelatory. When God was revealing his word, remember, he was substantiating the man, the messenger, the apostle, but he was also substantiating that this was God's word that was coming through these men. Once that was here, once it was finished, God said, those revelatory gifts would stop. They would cease. Why? No more need for them because it's finished. The book was complete. What you see now and people say we're speaking in tongues, they're not speaking in tongues. Why? Tongues was known languages. If I... If I and I don't know Greek, but if I just start speaking Greek, if somebody in here 
was from Greece and, and they needed the gospel. And, and while I'm speaking, they will hear in their language. There were 11 different languages spoke on the day of Pentecost because people were from all those different areas. And it says we heard them speak in our language, even in our dialect. It wasn't this gibberish stuff that you hear about today. That's not tongues. They say, we're speaking in tongues. No, they're not. They're not. That stopped, according to 1 Corinthians 14, when the word of God was complete. The knowledge. God revealing mysteries. That's why the apostle Paul said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. He said, I'm showing you a mystery. That that was there, but God was now revealing it, opening it up so where people can understand it. He said, behold, I show you a mystery. He said, we're going to worship the Jews and the Gentiles together, never been done. But he said, now God's revealing these things. That's knowledge that was not revealed before. And then the prophecy foretelling things to come. I hear all these people say, well, we're, we're prophesying in our church. You know what they just said? God says this book is complete. And he says, I, I, I am adding a curse on those that add to it or take away from it. When I say that I am prophesying, I am giving a word, the word of God that is not here. And I am adding to the word of God. That's serious business. And that is, that is, I don't have time to get into all that. We, li we hear things and we just go on and we just like that dead fish just floating down the river. And, and, and we don't apply these things. We don't listen. We don't question. We don't allow God to work in these things. He said, they were confirmed to us by them that heard him, these apostles. But notice he said, it was according to his will. You don't speak or you don't try to seek tongues. You don't try to seek the prophecy. You don't try to seek knowledge like we're talking here. God gives them as he wills. Whenever you see people and they're going down the altar to seek the Holy Spirit, that's, that's not right. It's not your will. It's not you to seek. It's God's will. And he says, I give it when I want and to whom I want. And that's it. Full stop. None of those gifts were for personal use. People say, well, I go home and I speak in tongues in my closet or my prayer closet. It's not for you. It's not for personal use. It is for the church. Over and over in 1 Corinthians 14, he said it's for the church, for the church, for the church. Ten times in that chapter alone, he said all those gifts were for the church, not for you as an individual. So he said these things were to substantiate his message and his people. And he said, we better listen carefully. Otherwise, we're going to let them slip. And we'll just let them pass by. And, it, and God's going to hold us accountable for these things. And we're going to stand there with egg on our face. Because we have not paid attention and we've not taken those things that God has taught us and applied them in our Christian life, in our Christian walk. Before you ever leave this building, you ought to grab some tracks. You ought to make a prayer list. Say, okay, I'm going to pray for this person that I work with. I'm going to 
pray for this person that I'm in contact with every once in a while. Maybe this friend, maybe this neighbor, they're lost. I need to pray for them. And as you open your heart and you start saying, I'm not going to be that dead fish floating down the river. I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to let him use me, live out his life through me because judgment's coming if we don't. And I want you to stand there and listen to him say, well done, the good and faithful servant. Father, have we heard what God's been saying? Have we let them slip or become casual about God's word? Become casual about salvation and about telling others? Are we letting this, his word change us? Or are we just like dead fish floating down the river? Help us to be careful. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Father, finish the message in our hearts. Help us to take these truths Go back home, go through them, read these verses over and over, speak to our hearts, change us, make us more like thee. In your name we pray, amen. Pastor. Amen. All right, we have some prayer requests we'll make mention this evening. And uh, then we'll pray together. Again, uh, if you have uh, prayer requests, we do have the prayer request cards in the back there. You can take those, fill those out, and get those to Brother Joel and myself and make mention of these. Um, Don and Esther's asking prayer for Don Marion uh, for healing, uh, just from the surgery that he had.